Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm John Pigeon and I'm joined by Emily Wallace, buyer's agent extraordinaire from Melbourne. How are you, Emily? I'm very well. How are you? Very well, thank you. So, Emily, how's your day going? It's pretty good. It's um, it's a pretty housebound day. No surprises there <laughs> coming in from Melbourne. Shout out to all my fellow Melbourne people. Yeah, you are going um, through a tough time. And if you're listening to this two years on, it was uh, it was COVID-19 back in 2020 and Emily is grounded in Melbourne for some time by the looks of things. Definitely. So what are we talking about today, Emily? Today, we're talking about the great old debate, I guess it is, uh, old versus new properties. It's a very common one that we come up against and be good to unpack some ideas around both. For sure. And we're looking forward to doing that. Big shout out to Wellman Finance, Sean and his team in Melbourne, unbelievable mortgage brokers within or right around the country, to be honest. So we wouldn't be able to do this without their support. So thank you to Sean. Go to wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3 for further details. If you want to hook yourself up an appointment with Sean. Emily, you've got some firsthand experience with Sean. Is that right? I do. I do indeed. I had a client come to me, a lovely couple, Irish couple they are, and they are buying a family home and um, they're working with Sean. And honestly, he is great. I've heard nothing but good things about him through the client, but also firsthand. uh, He's awesome. So certainly recommend him and anyone in the community to reach out and get in touch for some finance. To be sure, to be sure. Very good. So, so lame joke, that one. When I'm sitting down with clients talking about property, three ways to make money, capital growth, add value and buying a discount. Now, if we can capture all three of those at any stage through our investing on every property that we buy, we are rock stars, aren't we? 100%. So Always rock stars. We're all, so <laughs> when we're buying new or buying old, all of those three you have the ability to capture, but it's looking at individually which one's going to suit your needs and what are the pros and cons of each. So we're, we're going to look at that today. So Emily, I'll let you kick things off. Do you want to start with new properties? Certainly. So new properties, I think the biggest thing is obviously you walk into a new property and it's nice and shiny and neat and clean and the appeal can very much be a visual thing with a new property. It's it's brand new. Who wouldn't want a brand new house? I think often the conversations that, that I have and other advocates have with clients is just like you mentioned, does this actually suit your needs? You can get very swept up in the shininess and the newness of the property. So I think trying to look beyond that, um, things like floor plans, orientation, uh, even if it's a block of apartments, the apartment block itself to ensure that that new property is the right choice for you. Yeah, absolutely. So 
just to pre-frame, we, we are talking different asset classes. We're, we're looking at houses, we're looking at townhouses, we're looking at units or apartments. So we're looking at the new versus old in all of those. And, and it, it's uh, it's so complicated and mind-boggling out there, isn't it, to, to think, well, do I go new uh, or old? And do I go house? Do I go unit? Do I go apartment? Do I go townhouse? What's my price point, et cetera, et cetera. So you've mentioned the new it's glossy. It's uh, it smells nice. Hopefully, uh, everything's brand new. Uh, from a tenant's point of view, they generally love that sort of stuff, don't they? They they go in and and they get to live in a, a new house without out having to fork out the big bucks to build it themselves. Definitely, uh, tenants absolutely love that. You know, they feel like they're living in luxury. It's like yeah. they're on an Airbnb holiday sometimes. You know, Correct. These new places, they love them. So, uh, yes, it is attractive to to tenants. For sure, uh, I think also what plays into that is obviously location as well. But yes, the the nice shiny new rentals are a lot more attractive. Yeah, and that may in fact uh, push the rental price up, especially if there's a few different parties uh, bidding for that new property to live in, and and the, there is a scarcity of properties around that are new. Uh, and and similar to them in its location and its quality, um, and and that's probably uh, one big factor to take into account with all of this, isn't it? Well, it can be new or it can be old. They're both going to work if it's in the right co- location and the supply and demand is is actually in check. Definitely, I think that's a, a key point for an investor to investigate when you know the decision comes to choose between either or. Yeah. So, as an investor, the big positive of buying a new property, I find, is the depreciation. Of course. Yeah, now, definitely. anything that's brand new, you get to maximize the depreciation from day one, uh, whether it's a car or it's a, a caravan, whether it's a house. It, it's uh, You can depreciate on the fact that it's the, the asset is actually going down in value uh, you can actually claim that back against your taxable income, provided that you are working and, and earning income in the Australian tax system. So if it's going down in value, why do we want to buy it? That's a very, very good question. Why do we want to buy it if it's going down in value? <laughs> so in the case of a car, it's going down in value, but we just love the feeling of it being new. So we're put up with losing thousands of thousands of dollars. The difference with a house is... It's going down in value, but we can claim it back. We can claim back the fact it's gone down in value or the, the building structure itself. But what's actually going up in value is the land value. Now, talk to us about units or apartment where that land value isn't actually quite as sizable for it to go up. Definitely. And I think both old and new play into this, but typically apartment market, the two-bedroom apartment market You'd be doing well if you found a two-bedroom apartment that is around 80 square metres. That's what, you know, pretty standard. Um, uh, You usually sit between sort of 65 to 75, something that's around the 80 mark. They always do go for more because as many people say, they just don't build them like this anymore. So the, the debate, you know, of old and new, Sometimes I find people leaning towards the older ones purely for extra space because they don't make them oversized anymore because without getting too complex, but when you look into developments, it's about maximising that one piece of land to divide it into little pieces of land 
and sell as much accommodation as you can. So making them oversized isn't usually in the best interest of the developer. No. Yeah. So you, you're basically selling airspace in the end, aren't you? Although there is mm. some uh, portion of land a, a, attached to each apartment. So yeah, very important point there that we need to take into account. Mm. Another I suppose positive of new is someone that wants to set and forget and not have to maybe put up with too much maintenance issues. Now, we'd argue that for the first five to 10 years of a new, brand new um, house or unit or apartment, we shouldn't have to be putting up with any uh, maintenance requirements. We shouldn't have a hot water system blowing up. We, We shouldn't have to deal with uh, replacing carpets or new paint job or anything like that. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? I also think the the newer style in the townhouse market and the apartment market, they usually have a very, very low maintenance outdoor area. And I often find that's really appealing to young professionals or working professionals, young and old, who don't want to uh, maintain a back garden properly. Some people love it because they've got a dog and they need space. Other people from a maintenance point of view, like an ongoing maintenance point of view, want something that's very low key, manageable and a little entertaining space when they have friends over. Now, coming off the farm, we had a thousand acres and wanting, big. To, <laughs> wanting to live in something that's uh, a 200 square metre block or a uh, apartment of one of 80 it just it took me a while to get my head around it and and it's probably only in the last probably three or four years that I've actually understood why people want that and and you put the nail on the head in the sense of people don't want that um, upkeep and especially the outdoors where they want to enjoy their weekend and use someone else's outdoor space i.e the parks or gardens or beaches or whatever uh, they don't want to be spending hours and hours in the garden, mowing the lawns, doing the weeding, all those sort of things. So, yeah, it really has changed, hasn't it? Especially where you're living in Melbourne and indeed Sydney and Brisbane and Adelaide and those places. Um, Not so much here on the central coast where I am. We still enjoy the outdoor space, but it's just really has changed in in the last decade or so. Well, I think given that a lot of the people listening are millennials, it's a key sign of ageing if you actually want a place that has a garden and you actually do some gardening in it. I mean, is that not saying? the telltale sign of growing old or what? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yep. So you must be over 40 if, you, if you're saying that sort of caper. Yeah, or so you're old at heart. Old at heart maybe. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, either way, it's, it's, um, it's ever-changing and the, the 400 square I think is a, is a standard size block of land now. I was talking to someone today that's building on a – 270 square meter block of land right and what are they building on it they are building a house yes it's Jeez. not a granny flat it's actually a full house oh uh, it is a long narrow block so okay yeah it's a small dwelling isn't it well it's a small block um, that you really need to maximize and in a lot of those cases uh, we're, we're then going two-story to to make that living space big enough I suppose aren't we Yeah, definitely. What surprises me, just touching on block sizes, is how small they're cutting them in these new estates. You've got paddocks for days and yet they're cutting them on average at that 400, even a little bit less considered a sizable block. Whereas if you look in the inner ring of most cities, a normal standard block size is around the 600 mark. So it's surprising to me, but I also think it hints at how much sprawl we're having and how much they're maximising the land, even in those really far out paddocks. They're really 
cutting them to just to, to size enough that you have a bit of a back garden but not a huge block. Yeah, absolutely. So that speaks to us about, I suppose, scarcity and location, doesn't it? Good, bad or otherwise. Um, I think if you're looking, and we'll get on to older property in the moment, but if you're looking for older property, you can find older property 99% of the time in every street in Australia. To find a block of land or to find something to build new on is much more of a scarcity, isn't it? So I suppose um, that's a, a slight negative on the new is is being able to find something that's going to work for you in a location that you desire. Definitely. I think that's a, a common battle, particularly for those looking for their family home, you know, that upsize purchase that they've maybe lived in a in a two bedroom or a three bedroom apartment villa they want to stay in the area but the the next jump up is quite significant into the family home market and uh, it's too expensive to just buy something to knock it down most of the time to build what you want so you have to settle with something old if you want the location yeah that's right okay yeah cool so let's look let's turn our hat to the old uh, mm. now i would um hazard a guess here and say you would deal with majority of old properties being in southeast Melbourne. Uh, there's a lot more old properties there than there are new. Yes, so definitely 100%. Let's talk to old. Uh, what are the positives of buying an old property? When, when we say old, let's say 10 years plus, shall we? Yeah, I think that's that's old. considered old enough, isn't it? <laughs> yes, look, I think the main positive Obviously, box size, number one. Um, number two is I often find the layouts are very logical or they're quite easy to adapt, as in those real old ones, and I'm talking like 50s, 60s, 1950s, 1960s, often the master doesn't have an ensuite. So there's room, but it's an oversized master bedroom, bedroom number one, so you can add in an ensuite very easily. But typically speaking, they have a lot of character. They feel very homely. They don't feel too sterile. And they've they've got a bit of a story behind them. And I think that's really special in home buying when homes have a story to tell, that they've been there for a long time. It's like anything in life that's been around for a long time. It, it tells a tale. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I suppose I go back to the start of the, um, the session. We talked about capital growth, add value, discount. Old property really breathes to add value, doesn't it? You, you, you go in it and, and well, for a lot of people, it's exciting to walk in and say, well, imagine what 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 we can do to this. We can knock this wall out. We can give it a lick of paint. The The carpet's ugly. I'm going to replace that and, and I can extend out the back. There's so many different things, I suppose, you can do with, with old property, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the biggest um, thing is weighing up how much do you do you want to do and is it feasible? So, for example, if your budget, let's just call it a million dollars, and you can buy an old place for eight hundred thousand and spend two hundred thousand on it to make it exactly what you want, which would be a pretty significant reno, or you could buy brand new for a million dollars but a little bit further out. I often find that's what people are, are weighing up between between the two. Yeah. Um, the only way to really know is to bring in a reno company of some sort to make sure you've got a handle on an ideal quote of what Renault is going to cost you yes, and add some extra on the top as well because we all know. Yeah, which is pretty hard to do, isn't it? When we're looking at that 800K example that you gave, 
Mm. Uh, a builder can't just straight away come in and say, oh, yeah, 200 grand reno will be fine. It'll, you'll be able to do this, this and this. You actually mm. need proper plans drawn up and you're usually not going to do that until you've actually purchased the property because it's a lot of time and resources spent doing that. So, yeah, it is a, a little bit of a riskier one to do that. Um, mm. But that's really a common scenario where do I go and build new 5K further out or do I buy older existing further in, better location potentially that I can add some value to? It's a, it's a, it's quite a common one that I get and, and I'm sure you see a lot of that too. How do you how do you manage your way through that? Because it, it, a lot of emotion involved in that in the sense that do I actually want to do a reno or do I want something already done? Definitely. There's a lot of education around the renovation piece if no one's uh, conducted a renovation before. A lot of people think they watch the block and they know how renovation works. And yeah. Let me tell you, it's not like the block <laughs> no. at all. <laughs> uh, and painting, gosh, I painted it for the first time ever. Uh, had a bit of a glimpse of what Reno might look like the other day, painting a, a studio in black paint. And I can tell you now, trying to cut costs for renovation, probably not ideal unless you want to be bored to death of watching paint dry. Yeah. Uh, but to the point of what you've asked, a bit of sidetrack there, uh, <laughs> definitely understanding what that is. And I think what it comes down to is a, a lot of the home buyers, it comes down to emotion and gut feel of, of how they feel about the place. Yeah, so, absolutely. And right. and back to your painting example, I think uh, it's it's – what you're saying is next time you'd probably employ someone to do it on your behalf. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Look, I like to think I give give a try at most things in life, but a painter is you're not going to see Emily Wallace Painting Company running around anytime soon. <laughs> no. And, and <laughs> that does run true for a lot of people. I think we have this energy to say I'd love to get in and do a reno and, and be involved with it myself and get my hands dirty. Probably by the end of the first one, if not the second one, we're probably done with renos ourselves and, and we maybe outsource a lot of that. I know that was the case for me anyway. Um, just uh, appreciating your own um, time <laughs> and what your expertise, uh, where it starts and stops. Uh, but the prominent location, I think, is a big positive for old existing property, isn't it? Yeah. As you said before, you buy that property 800k closer into town, you may be in a better street, you're, you maybe got a bigger block um, that's got maybe uh, extension ability down the track uh, as opposed to, to getting something new further out. Yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. You, you can't change, you can't pick up a house and move it. Well, you probably could, but for the sake of this argument, you can't pick up a house and, and move it. It's the location that, that remains key. And uh, I think that will play into a lot of decision-making for, for our listeners as they're going through the experience of, of buying. And I think it's really the biggest factor to consider is is the location of, of the home and what's around it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So in finishing or, or as a summary, add value is a big one for, for old. You can add value to the new block of land by building on it. Uh, the, mm. I find that new property that's let's say two to five years old i see that as a i don't know it's it's not a no-go but it's when i look at capital growth ad value and discount i can't see any ad value whichever way i look at it years two to five it's like it's already brand new i can't add value to it i'm not building on a block of land so i'm not adding value there i just see it as a 
an easy alternative for someone to move straight into and that's probably about it. Uh, with the others, the, the actual build from scratch, I'm adding value. With the older home, I'm adding value. I can maybe get some discount along the way and I can, uh, I can get some capital growth, hopefully if I'm buying in a reasonable location. So all in all, who wins, new or old, Emily? Oh, you're asking the tough questions. <laughs> I, le- I personally lean more to older. Yeah? Yeah. Fair enough. And everyone's opinion is is going to be, or thoughts are going to be different on that, aren't they? And and it is coming back to your personal strategy. Now, mm. in the last six months, the government have handed out some money uh, for home builder and, and those sort of things. So that's been very attractive and, and maybe lent someone towards new when they weren't looking at it. So it, it really is a case by case. I've done both. I, I love doing new and I love sinking my hands in or sinking my teeth into an older style Renault as well. So uh, yeah, I it's a draw for me. I think they both win, but uh, like anything, you've got to do your own research and um, come to your own conclusion after you've done that research. For sure. It's been a pleasure. Old versus new. Check the research out. Um, look in the show notes to track down Emily in Melbourne somewhere. She's probably stacked up in her own studio because she can't go anywhere. But uh, <laughs> if you need a buyer's agent down Melbourne way, sing out. Uh, if you want to check out our online academy at Solvair, it's also in the show notes if you want to further educate yourself. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Emily, and look forward to chatting again soon. Certainly will. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash m3. If you want to really turn up your property education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.